This is Husker Sports Network Originals, presented by JTech Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Husker Sports Network Originals tell iconic stories from Husker history, featuring insights from the players and coaches who live them. New Husker Sports Network podcasts will be released every month. Subscribe to Husker Sports Network on your favorite podcast service. And now, it's Building Husker Power. It's the spring of 1969. Bob Devaney has just finished his seventh season as Nebraska's head coach. After the 1941 Rose Bowl appearance, in the midst of World War II, Nebraska has gone through eight coaches in 21 seasons. Finally, Husker fans have signs of a winning program under Devaney. Memorial Stadium has been sold out for 34 straight games, dating back to his debut season in 1962. Nebraska has become a national name, and in 1965, is ranked the number one team in the country, led by its fearsome fullback. Hands it off to Frankie Sellers, breaks over right tackle across the 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, could go all the way, down the sidelines to 30, 25, 20, cuts back in, 10, 5, touchdown on the first play from scrimmage, Frank Sellers. Nebraska also appears on Sports Illustrated for the first time. All is well in Lincoln for Devaney and his rising program. Bob Devaney's Nebraska record is now 38 wins and 5 losses. This is the third consecutive Big 8 title for Coach Bob Devaney. But in the latter part of the decade, the trajectory has sputtered. Nebraska goes just 6-4 and four in back-to-back seasons fans are beginning to groan about the program's progress. And Oklahoma won the ball game 47 to nothing. The hand Huskers their worst defeat under coach Bob Devan. Following the 68 season, offensive coordinator Tom Osborne goes looking for ways to turn things around. His offense has been held scoreless in two of the past three games, losses to Kansas State and Oklahoma. At this time in the late 60s, the football coaching offices are housed at the NU Coliseum, home to the Nebraska basketball program and the Campus Recreation Center. It's here where Osborne has noticed a track and field athlete doing something unusual with injured members of the football team. His name, Boyd Epley. Well, it was a a unique thing. I was in the athletic weight room, and the trainer came in, and he said, you've got a phone call, Epley, get in here. He said, who who would be calling me? I'm I'm from Arizona. Nobody knows who I am around here. He said, get in here. It's Tom Osborne. So I took the call, and and Tom said, "Uh, are you the guy that's been showing those injured football players how to lift weights? I didn't know whether I should say yes or no. He said, I'd like you to come over to my office. Well, that didn't help me much because I was still wondering, am I in trouble here? You know, somebody get hurt or what happens? So I go over to his office and he said, we've noticed that these injured players have come back not only healthier, they're actually better than they were. And we're wondering if that's because of the lifting and not we're wondering if you could maybe help the whole team. Boyd Epley is a Nebraska native. He grew up in Beatrice in the 50s, but moved to Phoenix in the fifth grade. The reason? His battle with asthma. The change in climate was thought to be a potential cure. Epley played linebacker on the football team and pole vaulted at Alhambra High School in Northwest Phoenix. In the 60s, coaches actually believed lifting weights would make you slower. 
But in Arizona, some young athletes had started to experiment. As a junior, I only weighed 160 pounds, and I wanted to gain weight. So I went to a health club, and I paid $60 for a two-month deal over the summer, and I got up to 180 pounds. And in the process of lifting weights at the health club, I didn't realize I was learning anything that I would use later in life, but I learned how to put on muscle. I learned how to get stronger. And when you put on muscle, not only get stronger, you get faster. And that was something that most athletes at that period of time in history didn't walk. In high school, Epley vaulted 13 feet, 9 inches, and then attended Phoenix Junior College and set a JUCO national record with a vault higher than 15 feet. That earned him a track and field scholarship back to his home state at the University of Nebraska under head coach Frank Savine. When Epley arrived in Lincoln, he noticed athletes in Nebraska were not doing any sort of weightlifting or strength training. In fact, the athletic department facilities were so minimal and poor that Epley elected to lift weights at the NU Coliseum. Again, the campus rec center and home to the football coaches' offices. So I was a bit of a freak, I suppose, and pretty soon I became the guy to go to if you wanted to learn how to lift the weights. While on the track and field team, Epley suffered an injury pole vaulting. He used strength training to recover, and that's when he started helping football players rehab as well. Epley, just 185 pounds, could bench 400 plus. The football roster didn't have a single player that could surpass 300. Soon after, Osborne was among those who noticed injured football players were not only recovering from injury, they were coming back better than before, all due to what Epley learned from pole vaulting. Having gone to that health club a couple years before and having lifted myself and being a pole vaulter that basically runs 120 feet, well, that's 40 yards, I was trying to make myself faster for 40 yards and put on muscle to be strong enough to bend the pole. And basically, I was doing things that would carry over directly to what a football player needed, get bigger, stronger, and faster. And I learned how to do that on my own. I was not trying to see how much weight I could lift. I was trying to improve my performance. And that's what was unique about it. And as we packaged that and had the football team start doing it, it caught on like wildfire across not only Nebraska, but across the world. Epley got his first break from Osborne but at his young age, still had a little bit of a problem. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing in those early years, and so it was a lot of uh, trial and error. He did know a couple of things. First, he needed more equipment. Osborne offered his assistance to get the ball rolling and took a list of requests from Epley. And then he turned to me and he said, now we need to go in and see Bob. And I said, Bob, he said, yeah, we need to go get permission to do what we're doing here. Boy, the, even as a very young man, uh, had a lot of ambition and, and pretty good vision. He uh, talked to Bob Devaney. Bob was a little skeptical because Bob came to an area where uh, weight training and bodybuilding wasn't part of athleticism. Sometimes people felt it got in the way. We went into his uh, office, and here's Bob Devaney in his gigantic red leather chair, you know, most powerful guy in the state of Nebraska. I'm a little bit intimidated, of course. Tom says, Bob, uh, you know Boyd Epley? And, and Bob goes, yeah, I've seen you in the weight room. Yeah, what are you guys up to? And Tom says, he thinks we should have the whole team lift weights. Right off the bat, straight, no shooting around, no, no conversations, you know, leading up to it. It's just right straight arrow to the heart. 
And Bob says, well, I'm not sure uh, why we'd want to do that. I don't know of anybody that's doing that. My friend Duffy Dorothy at Michigan State, a friend of mine, they don't lift weights, and they're real successful. In fact, I don't know of anybody that's lifting weights. Why would we want to do that? And they both looked at me, and I had no idea what I said because my legs were shaking so bad, and I was a nervous wreck. But I remember very clearly what Bob Devaney said to me. He pointed his finger at me, and he said, we're going to give this a try, but if anybody gets slower, you're fired. With the coaches on board, Epley had one last hurdle. He was the same age as the players and would need to convince them that he knew what he was doing. With the help of the chairman of physical education, Carl Weir, he created a strength training course that all players would be required to attend and pass. In fact, the players received credits for the course in this era. The first year's players included Bob Newton, a future All-American and NFL veteran as well as junior college transfers Keith Wertman, Carl Johnson, Dick Rubert. All four were from Arizona or California and had lifted weights previously. They had a background unlike current players on the roster. Newton inclined 300 pounds, one of the toughest lifts. Johnson benched 375. The results were quickly showing in the weight room, and now they hope to see effects on the field. The 1969 season was a turnaround year for the Huskers and included a now familiar name in the starting lineup. Daggy finding the air lanes open, decides to throw again and throws a perfect strike to Larry Frost into the end zone for the touchdown, a 38-yard touchdown pass. At the end of the regular season, a 44-14 blowout of the Sooners in Norman awarded Nebraska with a Sun Bowl bid against Georgia. And the give this time is to Kenny running over the left side. He's all the way in, standing up for the touchdown. The 14th-ranked Huskers routed the Bulldogs 45-6 and finished the season 9-2. A season that was supposed to be only average at best to become a typical Bob Devaney season. In Devaney's years at Nebraska, he has never experienced a losing season. The nation's winningest coach continued to win and with the closing of the season, Nebraska fans continue to think and talk football and look forward to the 1970 season. Epley won't take credit to a high degree, but does think the newly found strength training assisted in the nine-win season, the first of an NCAA record 33 in a row. He was also gaining the respect of the players due to the success. But in the early 70s, Epley's first few years on staff coincided with Nebraska becoming a national power. It's Gary Taggy calling signals after a 67-yard march. And on a quarterback keeper, he dives for the goal line, making sure his plunge is across the goal line. The University of Nebraska, 1970 football team, champions of the Big 8 Conference, victor in the 1971 Orange Bowl, and picked by the Associated Press, number one team of the nation. Husker Sports Network Originals are presented by Jade Tech Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Find out more about this great Husker partner at jtechconst.com. Now, back to Building Husker Power. Coach, when you put your team on the field at Nebraska, what type of a boy do you want playing football for you? Well, we like uh, a big, fast, tough kid who likes to hit people. Now, this type of boy we'd like, and also, I might add, we'd like a boy who has a, a good amount of intelligence because football is not 
uh, just a game of brawn or muscle. It is also a game of brain, and so we like a combination of quite a few things. Bob Devaney called it quits at the end of the 1972 season. He won eight Big A championships and two national titles during his 10-year career, and of course took a bit of a risk in allowing his team to experiment with strength training. In the mid-70s, Epley had hired numerous assistants that went on to get other jobs at high-profile programs. None had been paid, but in 1976, he asked now athletic director Bob Devaney for approval once again, this time for a paid assistant. That assistant was Mike Arthur, who's still on staff at Nebraska today. In 1978, Osborne knocked off Oklahoma for the first time and in the same year made a conscious decision to use strength training as part of his recruiting process. My name is Boyd Epley. I'm the strength coach here. Possibly you'd like to uh, get a little bigger or a little stronger, a little faster, maybe a little more flexible. The 70s also saw the North Fieldhouse weight room expand and the addition of the old Memorial Stadium AstroTurf as flooring. But after a decade, the facilities needed an expansion, and the move turned into one of the most recognizable images in Husker history. Things have changed facility-wise quite a bit. The West Stadium, which used to house uh, desks and chairs and furniture, and it was where the, if you were part of the university and you needed to buy uh, 10 hammers or something, you would come to the West Stadium and that's where the inventory was. Something changed about the railroad that allowed that inventory to move closer to the railroad but on a different part of campus where they'd have better delivery service. And our area underneath the West Stadium became available. So Coach Devaney and Tom Osborne were walking around the stadium one day looking where they could put the visiting team locker room because we were being criticized for having such a poor visiting team locker room. And they came through the weight room. They're just looking at all the spaces and walking around. And I, I said, could I join you? And they said, sure, come with us. So I walked with them. And we walked into the West Stadium and it was a dungeon. It was where the welders were and the carpenters and had all these different shops where you could they would repair and build things. And I looked at it and it was 13,300 square feet. Well, my weight room was 3,000, and the biggest weight room in the country was 6,000. And I had taken over the old locker room where the varsity was, and they had moved them down to the south end of the East Stadium. It wasn't great. So they were looking for a space, and then he looks around and he goes, no, this wouldn't make a very good locker room. It's just, this is not quite what we're looking for. And I said, Coach, I will take this space, and you can have the current weight room, which used to be the football locker room. I said, well, I need to fix it up a little bit. He goes, all right, I'll give you $200,000 for carpet and paint but no new equipment. So I said, okay. So we went from a 3,000 square foot weight room to this double, the largest in the country. And so after a few weeks and they were starting to work on it and paint it and get carpet in it, I, I went back to Coach Osborne and I said, Coach, now can we use some help on equipment because we've got this tremendous space, but we, we need more equipment in there. He said, well, how much do you need? I said, $60,000. He said, let me make the call. So he came back and he says, I got you 90000 I said, Coach, I only need 60. He goes, you need to refigure that. So I refigured it, and it was exactly 90000 A staple for Nebraska's strength and conditioning was complete. At more than 13,000 square feet, Nebraska was now a national leader on the field and in the weight room. Epley mailed posters to every high school in America and says there's still a few lingering around today. 
He remembers Devaney noting at the time, quote, as long as I'm the athletic director, we will continue to provide the best opportunity for our student athletes to develop themselves physically. It has cost us a great deal of money, but I feel it has been very worthwhile to our athletic programs. The new West Stadium weight room caught the attention of everyone on national broadcasts. Hello again, everybody. I'm Keith Jackson. Pleasure to come back to one of our favorite cities, Lincoln, Nebraska, the home of the Huskers. That room you see there is the reason why they are so big. Because Boyd Epley's strength program here is exceptional. That may be the most sophisticated weight room I've ever seen. This is the 30,000 square foot weight room at Nebraska. Players you're going to see today paid the price for excellence. We all know a strong athlete is a confident athlete. Right in this very room is where the foundation is built for national championship opportunity. Nebraska's mantra was a bruising running game and well-conditioned players wear opponents down over the course of a game. The Huskers prided themselves on the fact no one would be stronger or better conditioned. That couldn't have been more evident than in the 1995 Orange Bowl versus Miami, when Osborne claimed his first of three national titles. 5-15 left, 17-17, Huskers facing a third and three. Option, Fraser Keith. He's got the first down. He's got more than that. He spun down at the 28-yard line. And the big hogs up front starting to wear down the defense of Miami. Schlesinger and Phillips in the eye to snap to Tommy, and they give him the trap play, and it's Schlesinger inside the five. And there for the touchdown. He's got the touchdown. It's the touchdown for Corey Schlesinger, and Nebraska takes the lead with 2.46 left to go in the ball game. What about the blocking for Nebraska? They had people flat on their backs. The big offensive line and even the wide receivers getting in on the act that time. And the pounding by the big guys up front taking its toll on Miami in this fourth quarter. I thought in the fourth quarter we'd be the best team we were. That's great. What was the difference today? Well, I think just uh, we're probably in good condition, maybe a little stronger physically in the fourth quarter. Epley formed the National Strength and Conditioning Association in 1978, just before his facility moved into West Stadium. He served as NU's head strength coach for 35 years and oversaw the construction of the Tom and Nancy Osborne Athletic Complex in 2006. This moved the strength facilities back to its roots in North Stadium and is today named after bruising All-American Indomitian Sioux. Epley moved to Colorado Springs, home to his association's headquarters, before returning to Nebraska in 2014. With the hiring of Scott Frost, there's a man in charge who knows the importance and history of Epley's program. Growing up in Nebraska, I don't really remember a time where I wasn't aware of Boyd Epley and, and Nebraska strength and conditioning and, and Husker power. I think it was obvious to everyone in the state, probably a lot of people around the country, that Nebraska was close to probably a decade ahead as far as getting their student-athletes um, maxed out, getting guys big and strong and fast to put on the field. And, you know, Boyd was obviously the leader of that and the, and the guy that started that whole trend and wave here in Nebraska. And, you know, Husker power served Nebraska football well for a lot of years. Although Frost is known for his running and passing, he exemplified strength and toughness in the 1997 season. Ball is at the Aggies 31-yard line. In the round, Newcomb cutting back to the left. He's got an alley. 
across. So it's a beautiful block. Oh, what a crushing block by the quarterback. And Newcomb is out of bounds at the six-yard line. Wait till you see the replay of Scott Frost. There's that crushing block by the quarterback, Scott Frost. Remember, he's 225 pounds, and he is big and strong. After being named head coach in December 2017, Frost hired Zach Duvall as strength coach. Duvall served under Epley in the 90s and early 2000s. Zach is a really bright guy, and fortunately he has Mike Arthur still here. Mike is a genius in the programming area. I feel like we've got a, a good uh, package here, and the players are making great progress. And I'm not going to tell you how or why, because that's something that Zach helped us create years ago. It was something that wasn't right here at Nebraska, and I was having trouble getting it put in. I had a theory that this would work, but I couldn't put it in because we had coaches that was so adamant about it doing something a certain way. Zach took a job in Colorado and he called me and he said, it's snowing outside and I can't do what I want to do. And so I told him what I wanted to do. I wanted him to test all the boys and girls he worked with and not do this certain thing outside and then send me the test course. And they made so much progress, it was incredible. And that's what Zach is doing right now. And our players are getting better by the day. It's unbelievable. It's an area where Frost wants to see improvement as well. At the end of his first season, he noticed something in their loss to Iowa. What disturbs me is right now, Iowa is a bigger, stronger football team. That's right now. I never thought I'd see or hear that or say that about a Nebraska football team. That we can fix. We can get bigger, we can get stronger. I'm looking forward to the day we get that fixed where we're not gonna get pushed around by anybody. It's further evidence of the importance of strength training. 50 years later, Nebraska is looking to regain that edge as the national leader. Now the assistant AD for strength and conditioning, Epley's guidance and direction will help show the way once again. It's pretty amazing that in 1969, the big deal was the people going to the moon. But we were creating history right here in Lincoln, Nebraska, by hiring the first collegiate strength coach. And I didn't realize that I would be part of any history or anything. I was just doing what I knew how to do. I knew how to lift weights to make myself a better pole vaulter. And it just caught on like crazy. As I step back and look back 50 years, it's just a trip. It's just amazing. I can't even describe it. This has been a Husker Sports Network original, Building Husker Power, narrated by Greg Sharp and produced by Brandon Grice with audio from NET, NBC, and ABC. Subscribe to a Husker Sports Network podcast so you don't miss our next episode on the history of the Tuttle Walk, as well as other great features presented by JTEC Construction.